Hey, good morning, everyone. What a great group of seniors, and I'm so thankful. I'm just thankful for the Snaveleys and the great job that they're doing with our young people, and so I'm very thankful for them. Yeah, absolutely. We, uh, we were starting a new series called Battleground, and um, I, I want you to know that the, the, the biggest battle, whether you're uh, a senior in high school or you're an old fogey like me, the biggest battle you're going to face in your life is in your mind. It's that, it's that battlefield of your mind. And how many of us know that when we're going through difficult seasons or whatever in our life, the, the hardest battle is not what comes from without. It's, it's, one, it's, it's fighting what's within us and, and focusing our life and redirecting our life to what is most important. And so your, your battle, and, th- and that's really going to be the key of the next couple of weeks. We're going to spend a, a couple of weeks in this series on the battle of your mind. And, and, and I want you to understand that the key to what we're going to be talking about is our greatest struggles come from within, not necessarily from without. And I think the problem is we think if we look at our struggles and the pressures that we face, we, 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 we all do this, don't we? We buy the lie thinking, if this thing was eliminated from my life, if, if I didn't have to deal with this relationship, if I didn't live next, if I didn't have my next door neighbor, whatever it might be, or my, or my coworker, right? But how do you know that that's what life is all about? Those are the, we're always going to have those struggles with our families. We're always going to have the struggles at work. We're going to have struggles with our neighbors. There's, they're always going to be there. So how do we fight the right way? We're always going to struggle with ourselves. We're always going to struggle with identity. Are, are we good enough? Are we worthy enough? Um, we compare ourselves with other people, and we get down on ourselves, and we struggle with identity, and, and we're an identity crisis in our world today of who we are. And I believe we need to reshape our minds. We need to reshape our thinking of who we are in Christ. Listen, I'm going to be dead honest with you this morning. Everything boils down to the gospel message of who we are in Christ. It really does. It boils down, if, if we can get the gospel straight and get it and understand what Jesus does for us that we can't do for ourselves, and that when we can find ourselves in Christ, we will have a proper perspective of this world. We will have the right way to deal with the pressures and the anxieties. And I believe it comes down to the gospel message. Jesus never promised us that everything would be hunky-dory. He never promised us, you know, tulips and, and roses and potpourri. And, you know, how many know in this world we're going to have trials and tribulations? But Jesus said, take heart, I've overcome the world. How can we take heart and have hope in such a, a turbulent world around us? How can we not lose despair or walk in despair or hopelessness with everything that we see around us? And I believe it has everything to do with focus. And we're going to look at the Apostle Paul today and how he wrote to a group of Christians in, in, in a town called, city called Philippi, and he encouraged them and he helped them to say, focus on what the right thing is. And so no matter what you're going through, no matter what struggles you may have, no matter what pressures you may have in your life, it's all about focus. And the Lord wants to give us a peace to help us to get through those different circumstances in our lives. Now, that doesn't mean, listen, you wake up tomorrow morning, guess what? Your neighbor's still be living next door to you, right? Right? Your family member is still there, right? You're going to have I mean, you're going to have to face them, right? But how can we face it with a different mindset? 
So I want to jump into Philippians chapter 4 this morning and, and how, how can God help us in hard times? How can God help us not to have a bitter spirit to allow bitterness to enter into our lives when things don't go the way we want or when people don't treat us uh, the way we think we should be treated? We all have struggles, amen? Can we all vote on that? Do we all have struggles? All in favor that we all have struggles, amen? Okay, Opposed, so ordered. Okay, so let's, let's look at Philippians chapter 4 and let's see what, 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 what Paul says here. He says, Always be full of joy. Or in some translations, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. How many remember that song? Come on, all you old people out there. Who remember? Okay, five of you. Great. Yes. Love that song. I date you. When you raise your hand, I dated you to the 70s and 80s right there. If you, knew, if you knew that song, you are old like me. But what does Paul say? It says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. And don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. And thank him for all he has done then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true, what's honorable, what's right, pure, lovely, admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep, keep putting into practice all you've learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. Amen to God's word. Listen, all of us in this place are looking for peace. We're looking for that peace. And God says, I desire to give you that peace, but we can't look for it in the wrong place. And the common thread throughout these verses and, and, and what Paul is focusing on, he's, he's focusing on our minds. And, and the, the thing is the battle, listen, if you can understand the battle is within your mind and if we can fight that battle the correct way, God's peace will flood your life no matter what the circumstances may dictate in your life. I believe with all my heart that God is sovereign that it's a purpose and a plan for those who are in Christ Jesus. And there's no circumstance in this world that can thwart the work of God through us who believe that Jesus is Lord. Amen? Give me one big amen. Amen. Good. That, good. Thank you, church. I need you today. I need, you need to help me preach this message today. Now, I, I, um, I don't know about you, but I love the Olympics are coming up. Love the Olympics. I don't know if you like watching the Olympics. Um, I love the gymnastics part, the men and women's gymnastics. It just blows, if you're ever a gymnast, blows my mind the, just the skills that they have for, for gymnastics. In fact, um, the American gymnast is, that's competing this year, um, Simone Biles, is one of the best ever, ever, ever. In fact, she's so good. Uh, on, uh, on one of the, I can't remember one of the apparatus, that they have to give it like a lower score just to get her in line with everybody else because she's so good. She's just amazing. Like she flies like 50 feet in the air, does 18 twists and then comes, I mean, it's just amazing. But, but the apparatus that just amazed me is the beam. Now, if you know anything about the balance beam, it's four inches wide. So I brought a two by four 
And uh, if you fall asleep today, I'm going to use, you know, uh, I brought a two by four. This is four inches wide. Yeah, and, and it's, if anybody wants, let's have a bidding war right now for this piece of wood. <laughs> let's have a missions fundraiser right now. Do I hear 20? Do I hear 30? Um, so think about it for a moment. They're, they're on this piece of four inch wood doing these incredible skills. I have no clue how they can do it. So I did some reading. I'm like, how can a gymnast stay on this four inch beam? How can they do it? And so I did some reading and what they do is they're, everything's about focus. They, they focus on one thing in front of them. And what they tell them to do is when they're on the beam, they tell them to, to feel like you're being squeezed in like a room, like you're squeezed in like this. So when you see a gymnast on the beam, I mean, the shoulders are square. Everything is focused on, on one thing. And the minute you take your eye off that focal point is when you lose your balance. So everything is about balance. Now, the skills they do are incredible, but they couldn't do the skills without balance and without focus. And so it's incredible the skills they can do on this four-inch beam. And then, you know, I like Karate Kid. I'm like, how, how did Daniel, you know, do this thing, you know, on the, on the wood pylon on the beach? Remember that? Focus. It's, it's all, so you can do it too. Just focus on one thing and you can be like Daniel's son. So it's all focus. And so what, 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 what Paul is telling us is, is what are you focusing your life on? What, where are your thoughts taking you? What are you struggling with in your life? And so what is the proper focus? Is it me? Do, do I focus on myself? I, I want you to notice what Paul is saying. He's saying, don't focus on yourself. Don't focus on yourself. Notice what Paul is saying. Don't worry. Put your thoughts towards God and pray. Fix your thoughts on what is godly and think about what is right and pleasing to him. And so these verses are vital because it deals with how do we deal with our life's battles. Now, I hear a common theme with many Christ followers who overcome or who overcame tremendous obstacles in their lives. And what I hear is this, whether it's reading a biography on someone, that a, a, a follower of God who's overcome tremendous obstacles in their lives. Um, what, I, what I've come to see is there's this common thread. And it really wasn't much about the circumstance that they faced as much as it was about their mind and what they focused on. It, it, it was about winning the battle in their mind and staying focused on God. And, and I like hearing what they did to stay focused and encouraged while they were going through a tremendous thing in their life. You know, we have two choices, don't we, when it comes to our minds and the battle of our mind. We've got two choices. We can run to worry and fear, or we can run to Christ. I mean, that's the choice. Are we going to run and be anxious and worried? How is this? You know, the what ifs, what if this, what if this, what if this, what if this, what if this? Or we can, or we can run to, to Christ. And it tremendously helps me when I hear stories of people who have made it through battles in their lives and did not allow their struggle to make them bitter. Did not allow their struggle to thwart them from the work of God. This doesn't mean it wasn't difficult. This doesn't mean they didn't ask questions. But something kept them moving forward under tremendous pressure. That's, I, I've shared this story before. I totally recommend her book. But Corrie Tin Boone's uh, book, The Hiding Place, I've read it a couple, two, three times. I love her story. Her story amazes me. And if those of you don't know who Corrie Tin Boone is, she was uh, sent to a Nazi concentration camp for hiding Jews in their, in their family home. And did a tremendous job in doing that. And they got found out. And while in prison, um, she would share Christ's love with those around her. 
Um, Corey was actually in a concentration camp in Ravensbrück with her sister Betsy for a while. And um, they led a group of women, uh, a group of prayer warriors who, who actually prayed and actually prayed for the guards who were their captors, who treated them so poorly. And they actually prayed for the guards. And what they did was, is they transformed a place of anger, depression, and darkness into a place of kindness and love. She was, she was able to actually smuggle a Bible in and vitamins to those with her to, to give them strength and to have the word of God with them. Um, when the barracks became infested with fleas, she said it was a God thing. Now, how many would say that's a God thing to have fleas? But she said it was a God thing because what happened is the guards wouldn't come into their barracks because of the fleas there. So they say, we're not going in there, which, which helped them to have nightly worship services every night because they knew they wouldn't be interrupted by the guards because of the fleas. So she called it you know, a godly thing, the godly fleas that came to help protect them, right? So nightly they would have worship services knowing that the guards wouldn't disturb them. And see, what she did was she didn't allow the bitterness and hatred to rule her heart. So the question is, How? How do we battle against bitterness? How do we battle against anger? How do we battle against when life doesn't go our way, like why God? How do we battle against those things the right way? When life doesn't seem fair, how do we battle those things? How do we battle with our identity of who we are? And that identity that that we want to be and how we want to impress other people, how do we battle against that? Well, Paul gives us the answer in Romans 12 too. Listen to what Paul says here. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be what? Transformed by the renewing of your mind and then you will be able to test and prove what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, you will find out the worth of something by putting it to the test. You're going to find out the worth of something by putting it to the test. Paul is saying when you follow God's ways, you will find his pleasing will and you will find peace and joy even in the midst of difficult circumstances. So what Paul is saying is when you focus on God, you can put God to the test by saying, God, I know that you're faithful. I know that your character is true. And then what the result of that is peace in the midst of difficult circumstances. God is true because his character is true. God is loving because he's a God of love. Everything about God is truth and God cannot lie so we can trust him. And Paul is telling us that there has to be this renewing, this transformation of our mind because the world is trying to squeeze us into its mold. The world wants us to get angry. The world wants us to get even. The world wants us to one-up everybody. But listen, If I conform to this world's way, I will look to worldly ways to fix my problems. We'll look to worldly ways. If I conform to this world and I give in to those things, we're going to look to worldly ways. So the world wants to squeeze us into its mold. The world says um, to deal with our hurts by hurting back, by by holding on to, to bitterness and anger. I want to get even with those who hurt me. I want to tell people where it's at. I want to hold on to my bitterness, falsely believing that this is going to make me feel better. But this is worldly thinking. And a follower of Christ looks at this completely different. And so what we end up doing is we begin to look for pseudo-fixes um, to think that's going to help us. So we, we turn to these, whether it's substances or whatever, to, you know, to try to heal our pain or whatever it might be. And how many know, does that help? No way, it doesn't help. 
And so these are pseudo fixes. And God says, that's not the answer to your life. See, what Paul tells us that, listen, in your heart, if you allow bitterness and hurt, what you're going to end up doing is try to get other people to commiserate with you and to get a little posse around you to help you in your hurt and bitterness, to point the finger at somebody else. And what's difficult is many times in our circumstances, it's easy to, to look at everybody else as the problem. How many know that somebody may have hurt you, somebody may have abused you, which is completely wrong? And so many times we live our lives with that hurt and that bruise in our hearts, in our lives. And I want you to know that in Christ Jesus, there is healing, that there is forgiveness. And even though what happened to you is wrong on, on every level, God doesn't want you to live in that bitterness and hurt. See, what happens is we allow the world to rob us of the joy and the peace that he desires to give to us. And so what, what, what Corey could have done, and she later ran into one of her guards later on in her life. See, what she could have done is taken all her anger and bitterness and, 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 and forced it on her captors. But would, would that make her feel better? No. And what she did was she did not allow her circumstances to thwart God's purpose in her life. You see, what she ended up doing is in that concentration camp, she ended up using that place as her mission field to reach others with the love of Christ. How in the world can someone do that? How can someone forgive someone? How can someone get beyond uh, something that's happened to them or something abusive that's happened to them? How can we get beyond that? It has to be a transformation in our minds that only Christ can do in our hearts and our minds. Because your past does not dictate your future. Your past does not tell you who you are when you are in Christ Jesus. And so Paul says we can focus on the character of God and know that he is good. And he'll use us and he'll use our past pains and hurts for his glory. And by his grace we're covered. We can find healing and forgiveness through Christ's perfect death. So how do we deal with this? If, if I confirm, confirm the wor- world's way, how do, how, do I, how do I get away um, from that? How do I get away from allowing bitterness to rule my, my heart and allowing my circumstances to rule my mind? And how do I fight against that? Well, having the right focus brings that balance into our lives. And so what does Paul tell us to do? Having the right focus brings balance into our life. So what Paul is saying, he's not saying that we're never going to have any problems. Jesus is not telling us we're never going to have any problems. But what he does is, in the midst of these things, he says, focus on godly virtues. Focus on the character of God. Corrie ten Boone had a focus that was beyond herself and her present circumstances. She did not allow her captors and their treatment of her to allow her to lose her focus on Christ as hard as it was. She did not allow what she was going through and how they treated her to rob her of her purpose in Christ. So Corey's focus was on Christ. Christ allowed her to forgive when it seemed impossible. And so what Paul does is he gives us some great insight on how to keep our minds focused even when life is complicated. So let's go back to Philippians chapter four and let's see what Paul does here. There's some great 
truths of nugget, nuggets here in God's word that I think can help us as we fight the battle in our mind. What does he say? He says, fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable. Think about these things that are excellent, worthy of praise. Keep putting them into practice as you, as you learned and received from me everything you've heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. And so what does he say? He says, fix your thoughts. It, it literally means to concentrate. It means to be proactive. So when we're fixing ourselves on, on God's word, on Bible reading and understanding God's character, we're being proactive and knowing who God is and his character. And then he says, think about these things. And then he says, put them into practice. And I want to dig into when he says, think about these things. Because what Paul says is, he goes, I want you to think about what is right. I want you to think about what is right. When Paul says this, what he means literally is to meditate or dwell on. It's actually a mathematical term to make careful calculation. It's where we get our English word um, logarithms. How many know what that is? How many be, just be dead on and say, Pastor, I have no idea what that means. I've never done one. I don't know what one is. Okay, good. Six of you are honest with me, okay? So, you know, to think about or to dwell on, it means to make careful calculation. So when Paul says this, what he's saying is, he says to think on or to dwell on is in the present tense, meaning we are never to stop thinking about God's goodness. He says this is something that should be in the forefront of our mind all the time, in the present tense. He says we're never to stop thinking about the goodness of God. We must be proactive on dwelling on what is right and good. Now, I want you to think for a moment. I want you to think for a moment. We are the product of our thought life. When something doesn't go right, I want you to ask yourself this question. When something doesn't go right, what is the first thing you think about? Right? Are you like, oh, praise God. God, you have a purpose for this? All things work for the good. You called according to your God. You work, you know, you start thinking, rejoice in the Lord. Oh, again, I say, right. Or, or, or you, you tend to be like me sometimes, like, oh, are you kidding me? This again? Why is this happening? Why? You know, th- think about that for a moment. What is the first thing you think of? Because what it does is, it does reveal what's going on in our spiritual lives. So follow me here for a moment. If I'm dwelling on the circumstances around me, and I'm not running to the character of God and who God is, and that he's a good God even in the midst of my difficult circumstances, what's going what's to happen, it's going to eventually affect my spirit, isn't it? And so that's why when we're driving and someone irritates us or cut us off, we get angry, we, we go off the handle real easily, or we're just agitated all the time. You know, we want to say, well, it's everybody else's fault, but, but God's saying, listen, there's something in your heart There's something in your life that you're not giving to me. There's something that you're thinking about constantly that's poisoning your spirit and your relationship with me. And so once again, we've got two choices. We can run to God and Jesus or we can fall into anxiety and despair and allow these things to overwhelm us. And so we will reveal your spiritual life. And and listen, I'm not talking about thinking positive thoughts to yourself or, you know, repeat happy thoughts that, you know, that I'm not, I'm not saying that. Okay. What I am saying is, are we running to the character of God? Are we running to who he is? Because if he's the center of your life, then Jesus becomes your identity, 
not your circumstances, not your past, not what you've done. Jesus now, you are a new creation, a new creature in Christ Jesus. So if you're not the best at something, it's okay. It's all right. Because my identity is in Christ. And he's the one I'm, I want to please. He's the one I want to serve. And so I think the reason why we struggle so much with anxiety in our, in our lives is because we're chasing the wrong thing. Because we're looking for that thing to fulfill something in my heart and my life that only God can. That only God can. And so worry, what's the first thing you think about when things don't work out the way you want them to work out? It will reveal what you're trusting. It will reveal your spiritual, uh, your spiritual life. So what does Paul say? Well, Paul says, look at these words. He goes, he goes, think about these things. Think about what's true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable. Think about these things. Think about these things. I, you know, my dad would always tell me, Barden, just do what's right. Do what's right. I love what Pastor Brandon said. That my dad would tell me the same thing. Barden, whatever you do, please the Lord in your life. Follow him. That's the best decision you can ever make in your life. Let God's word guide you and teach you. That's the thing we pray for our kids all the time is that they would have a heart and a tenderness for Jesus. Amen, parents? I mean, that's the most, whatever you may do, I don't care what you do in your life, but have a sensitivity and a heart for Christ and listen to him. Do the right thing. Listen, doing the right thing is not hard. So many times, well, oh, that's such a hard, no, it's not. No, it's not. Doing the right thing is not hard. What's hard is, am I going to do the right thing? Because I may have to go against something. I may have to go against the popular, the popular choice. The, doing the right thing is not hard. What's hard is, are we going to make the choice to do the right thing and go against maybe what's popular or what's trending or all those other things? But God will give you the strength to do that. Uh, Stephen Lawson, in his commentary on Philippians, shares this really good insight that hopefully will be helpful here on um, when Paul says making the right decision and following those things that are right. In ancient times, the word right, it's kind of interesting here, was used of a scale in a marketplace. Let me give you a picture here. So here's a scale in a marketplace. So here's, here's the word picture I want, want you to see on, the, on the, the, the word right. Well, what you would do is you have a standard, of, of, of a standard measure, and you'd place that standard or that measure on one side of the scale, and then what you would do is you would put grain or an equal measure on the other side until it was balanced, so you knew what the cost was. So you'd have one standard of measure, whatever that would be, on one side of the scale, and then you'd put the amount of grain equal to the measure on the other side until it was balanced. And once it was balanced, you would say, it's right. Once that grain was balanced with that standard unit of measurement and it balanced itself, you would say, it is right. So what is the meaning here? What's the meaning here? Well, on one side of our life is Christ and the holiness of God, and the character of God. And on the other side is what our mind focuses on. So what Paul is saying, do what is right. Balance your thoughts, not on your... Listen, this is so good. Oh my goodness. I'm going to preach this to myself. I gotta, when I was reading my notes, I'm like, oh, this is so good, bro. I'm preaching to myself. This morning, I was amen in myself in my living room this morning. So this is good. Because this helps me. I don't know about you, but I love word pictures. So follow this. If our lives aren't balanced and we're not balancing our thoughts with the character of God, what happens? 
It becomes unbalanced. So what I end up doing, this is me, I'm going to preach to myself, I look at my circumstances. I'm like, oh, how's this going to work out? I don't know. Uh, right? And all of a sudden we get unbalanced. And what, what places, what, what comes into my heart is anxiety, right? And fear. And Paul says, no, 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 do what's right. Think about the character of God and it will bring balance into your life. So on one side, you have Christ, the holiness of God, the character of God. On the other side, we have what our mind focuses on. So whatever we think about needs to be squared with the holiness and the character of God. Not me. I don't look into myself to try to find the balance and the harmony and the... right. No, it's not going to work. I have to go to the character of God and who he is. And Paul says, when you do that, then the peace of God comes into your life. You will not find peace in your heart and your life because how many know that our hearts are wayward? Jeremiah says, don't trust your heart. It's deceitful of all things. So we trust the character of God because that's what's true and right. So then when I'm making a decision in my life, am I going to trust my heart? How many of you tried to trust your heart? Well, just what, what are you feeling? Just do whatever you feel is right. Just trust your heart. How many of that worked out real well for you, right? That's not a good thing. So what Paul's saying, no, don't do that. Balance your life with the character and the holiness of God. When you have to make a decision, you're looking to the character and the holiness of God to do the right thing. So the question is, are we stable? Is my thought life stable with the purity and the goodness of God? The balance in our walk with Christ comes from what we think about and what we focus on. Now follow me here. (sighs) Got the scales. And if I'm looking at my life and I feel like I'm no good and I'm not worthy and I'm not worthy and I start looking at myself and I compare myself with other people and I don't feel good about myself, there's the, there's the unbalance. When I look to the character of God and I know what Christ accomplished for me and I know that I'm worthy in Christ Jesus, it retrains my thoughts to Jesus that he has accepted me, that he does receive me. And all my waywardness and all my sinfulness, Christ has received me because he gave his life for me. You see, take communion in a minute, but listen, this is, this is what communion is all about. We remember what Christ did for us. We remember his shed blood for us. We remember that, that the only way that we could stand before a righteous God was if we were perfect and none of us could achieve that. But through Christ Jesus, he did the work for us. He became our substitute. And so what Christ does by giving his perfect life as God for you and I and by putting our faith in him, God now receives us and he imputes the righteousness of Christ into our life that we can now stand before a holy God because now my identity is not in me because I'm going to mess up tomorrow, amen? Okay, easy, 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 okay? Be nice to me, right? We we are, we're going to make mistakes. But here's the thing. In Christ Jesus, I find my forgiveness. I find my identity. I find my worth. And so what Paul says, think about those things. When you get down on yourself, listen, I'm going to bring it full circle. It comes back to the gospel. When you're angry with somebody, when you're bitter with somebody, 
you come back to the gospel message which says God demonstrates his love towards us that while we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. Jesus forgave me when I was unforgivable. See, it comes back to the gospel message. That's how you balance your life. If you're not balancing your life on the gospel message, you're only going to give forgiveness on people who, who deserve it or you feel who deserve it. Aren't you glad God doesn't work on that scale? Because none of us would be in this room right now. <laughs> we, 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 wouldn't, we wouldn't receive his, his blessing or his forgiveness. But it was based off his grace, not off my worthiness or off my performance. It's all in his grace and what he's done for us. That's, that's, that's the hope of the gospel message. So what Paul says, think about those things. See, our lives are the product of our thought life. The battles of your life come down to your thought life. And Paul says, what are you thinking about? What we focus on in our thought life will come out in our public life. So if I have that peace of God in my life, and I understand the holiness of God, and I'm running to the Lord with my wayward thoughts or my insecurities or my unforgiveness maybe for somebody, and I'm giving them to the Lord because I need him to work in my heart and my life, your life's going to be balanced. And it's going to show in your public life the way you treat other people. It's going to come out because God's doing a deeper work in your heart because your mind is focused on the right thing. See, all of these virtues lift us up. They draw us to Christ, not away. They will bring balance and peace into your life. So let me ask a question just before we take communion. Let me ask you a question. What are you thinking about? What's going on? What things are you battling with in your mind? What things are you battling with in your heart? Are you taking those things to the character of God and who he is so he can balance your life? See, I have to preach the gospel to my heart every single day because there's going to be someone who's going to irritate me tick me off, whatever it may be, right? And if I don't understand the gospel of forgiveness and restoration, guess what? I'm going to walk in bitterness and unforgiveness. But if I'm preaching the gospel to myself and I'm balancing my life with the character of who God is and what he did for me, it's going to balance my life to realize, Barden, you didn't deserve forgiveness either, but Jesus forgave you. Walk in that spirit. Run to me. Give your heart to me and focus on doing the right thing and serving me even when it's hard. Because in the end, we're blessed. In the end, we find God's peace. In the end, we ultimately honor him. Amen. So what are you struggling with today? Let me just say this. Run to Christ. Give him those feelings and whatever it might be in your heart and your life. Maybe you're going through a difficult circumstance and I don't want to minimize any of those things that you're struggling with. Maybe it's the past, past abuse. I don't know what it is and I don't want to ever minimize any of those things. But I would tell you to run to Christ and let his love and grace fill your heart to balance your life. So if you feel out of kilter today,
Maybe it's because you're running to the wrong side and you're running to the world to fix the things that only Christ can do in your heart. Do you realize that when Jesus came, he came to completely heal you, give you a complete healing, to heal your mind, heal your heart from the scars of our waywardness and our sin. He came to heal us. I'm so grateful for his love today, aren't you? And his goodness. So as we take communion today, I want us to remember that great sacrifice that Jesus paid for us. Amen. Would you pray for me? Would you pray for me? I need prayer. Amen. I need God's help. And I'm going to pray for you. Amen. Can we, can we dedicate ourselves to each other as we, as we pray for each other and as you pray for me? Because we need God's grace and we need his help every single day to live in this world. So let's pray together. Father God, we just need you. And we need to pray for each other. And we need your grace. And I pray, Lord, that, um, Lord, we would really think about the things that we're placing our mind on. And is our lives balanced? Are we, are we running to things that are not filling our heart with you and your, and your love, God, and your joy? What are we running to? And I pray, God, that we would run to Christ. That Jesus, as we, as we think of you and your sacrifice, You came and you loved us out of your grace and you brought forgiveness and you did the work for us that we could not do for ourselves. So we thank you for your forgiveness and I pray that your grace and your forgiveness would not only flow into our life but through our lives as we display that to the world around us. Lord, help us to run to the things that are right, that are pure, that are admirable, the things that please you, your character, your holiness, God. May our lives be in balance to that. So Lord, just may we listen to you every single day in our lives to do what's right in your eyes, to please you, Lord. Lord, thank you for doing everything for us, for loving us, for giving your life for us. In Jesus' wonderful name, in Jesus' wonderful name, amen, amen.